And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. I love magic. Now, this is something I've said before. I will not deny it. Um, there's a reason for it. I think magic, for me in particular, is something that fills me with a genuine sense of wonder that kind of reverts me back to a, you know, I don't want to say childlike status, but definitely adolescence, you know, where, where the world's kind of big and new and, and people are still learning about things, learning about reality. And when you see things that bend it, which kind of change the way you believe things to exist, um, that's incredible. You know, there are people who can pull off these, these illusions, these tricks that make you genuinely believe that um, they've affected the space-time continuum at a fundamental level. I love that stuff. Now, there is one thing that I love even more than a good magic trick, and that is a well-executed practical joke. I myself am a practical joker. I love to pull them off. Um, when there has to be a, kind of a perfect combination of things, uh, the people involved, their feelings can't get hurt. The joke has to mean something to both, and usually it would it will end with an MVP chant directed at me. High fives all around, that kind of stuff. Now, there's only one guy really in this day and age who's doing something like that, almost perfectly. Uh, and that's Michael Carbonaro. has a show called The Carbonaro Effect on True TV. Uh, new episodes this November 9th. Uh, and basically what he does is he plays a, a, an everyday guy uh, to the average person, to the mark, as they call it in the industry. So someone will come in and they'll think he's a regular guy, does a magic trick, and then he convinces them that what they just saw is in fact real and not a magic trick. The beauty is truly in its simplicity, a definite example of Minute to Learn, Lifetime to Master. I'm going to start this off with a little joke of my own. Kudos to you if you can get the reference. If not, check out the video on the website, fascinatingnouns.com. And um, well, if it goes well, Mr. Carbonaro will recognize it as well, and he'll play along. If not, this may be an awkward opening. So, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Hello, is this Nick Carbonaro from Your Carbonaro Effective? Uh, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? Now, you know there's a real famous Nick Carbonaro. Maybe that's what's who they got you confused with. You, there is uh, more than one Nick Carbonaro. You know, apparently there was one from Long Island as well, where I'm from. People used to ask me if I knew him. So, It's an interesting last name. A lot of people are, are related. There's also a Mike Carbonaro, who you should check out. He's a comic book expert. Do you uh, think I haven't character. the heck out of myself? <laughs> I haven't. I don't know if there's any other... You know uh, about Mike Carbonaro, the Big Apple comic book Do collector. you? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. I get a lot of emails for him. You know, <laughs> do you answer you, them? or what? Do you... Can't wait to see you at the comic thing. And I'm like, whoops. You know? <laughs> do you ever answer them or no? Uh, yeah, I always do. I say, hey, wrong Michael. And uh, you're looking for someone else. But, um, you know, I have a friend... Oddly enough, the guy who's the uh, showrunner of the Carbonaro Effect, Russ Arch, mm -hmm. 
he thought that that Mike Carbonaro, the comic book guy, was me in prosthetic makeup. Oh, like 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 um 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 Andy. Uh, oh my God, Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he thought that it was a character I played at comic book conventions. And <laughs> That's amazing. But well, you... if I were really true to my art, I would have told you right now on this podcast that that is me at those conventions. <laughs> oh my God, that's so fun. You have to do something like that now. I mean, like you've kind of foreshadowed I it. I know. You know, it's fun too because I'm all about. I'm I'm so interested in makeup, prosthetic makeup, and special effects. With Halloween yeah. right around the corner, yeah. I just I just my my whole office is covered with all kinds of uh, special effects supplies, and um, kind of diving into that my first love there. Wow, special effects, yeah. So this is like right up that'd be like right up your alley then. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We've, I mean, we've done disguises on the TV show, and it's funny. Whoops, I'm sorry. I made a little sound there. That's all it's right. funny be- because, um, you know, the people who, y- y- the people who we get, we get some really great makeup artists to come in there and help us out. But a lot of stuff that's really good for camera, like on camera, like you could on a movie or a television show, you would be, every everything looks perfectly real, whether it's a prosthetic nose or a hair appliance or some of those really great wigs that they use. Like we've gotten some of the best wigs available for hmm. motion picture and television. And yet they, they don't look real eye to eye, you know, right up against somebody. Right. If so, in my situation, when I have a real person coming up who doesn't know that this is, you know, supposed to be a prank or anything, they... Yeah. They can tell. Like, I've had a lot of people, you can see that lace on the wig with the naked eye. So it's funny, the difference between what I do, special effects wise, what's available, you know, on camera versus what you can see with the naked eye is a whole world of of a puzzle. That's part of the Carbonaro effect. I went pretty deep there, but that actually did. That gets right down to like sometimes we can do a trick where I, I'll be making something levitate, for example, and you and it's it looks perfect. You and I would be fooled outside in the bright light in the middle of nowhere and mm-hmm. we get a great reaction. Then we roll it back and these HD cameras, the HD cameras all of a sudden are catching how <laughs> because their eyesight is better than the human eye. Right, like, right. Why, <laughs> why that doesn't help anybody? <laughs> Well, you know, actors trying to look young, or right. why would you want to see better than the human eye? <laughs> well, you bring up a really interesting point because a lot of people who aren't like in show business don't realize that, especially when it comes to makeup. And you're, you'll obviously be an expert in this, but even and not just stage makeup, like just walking onto stage or even going onto set, the makeup you put on looks completely artificial to the naked eye. But yet, when the lights hit it, when the camera hits it, you look normal. You look great. That's right. There, there is a, a whole world of um, there's a sliding scale there, but the the equation that you say is correct. What you can do for something might look completely false on uh, to the naked eye, and then you put it on the screen. That's why people go for camera tests. You know, sometimes you mm-hmm, hear right, about that, exactly. like, oh, they went for their screen test, and then I screen tested because you look different on yeah. camera, photogenic. When someone says, oh, you're very photogenic, or sometimes someone's really photogenic and then they don't look as good in person, or you hear, right. oh, he's just as good in person. There's something that the camera flattens us, you know? Right. Yeah, so. it's interesting. Because even, like, when you look at people who, like, act, like I've seen actresses, and they're like, ah, they're okay. And then you see them in real life, and you're like, oh, my God, like, they're beautiful. You know, um, I think it's I don't know, because there's a lot of a lot of men look very similar, like on camera and in person. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's I think so. Yeah. From like actors that I've seen, 
And I don't know if it's like facial structures or the way they position. I don't know. It's very strange to me. Um, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that like, like cinematically in like recent movies, you think the the guys look the same? I'm saying like if I like if I take an actor, a male actor, All right, and, and Ryan, I see them, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Sure, no, Ryan no. Reynolds. So we see Ryan Reynolds. He will look like almost identical in person as he does on screen. Gotcha. Like, like different. Oh, from sc- I thought you were saying like, oh my gosh, I thought you were no, saying no. Like what do you Reynolds think I was saying? Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Daniel but J. Glenn way, effect. They're both a little square jaw, though, I would <laughs> right. say. Daniel Lewis and Ryan Reynolds. The Glenn, you know, effect. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe I'm making it up. Totally. You think that the, that it translates. A man's face seems to translate from screen to real life better for you. Just, ju- it just looks like See, I'm not surprised. You, like, to you. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You put it on me. No, that's fine. I said it. I, I own it. Just, just that there isn't like, there isn't like a discrepancy. I'm like, oh, that's that person. Uh-huh. But there are some women that I'll see that will sometimes they'll look much better in real life. Um, and sometimes they'll look totally different um, on screen. And there's some people I know that are very attractive in real life who don't photograph. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenon um, that I think is just really, really interesting. You kind of struck on it. But it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's, you know, we haven't really gone down a tangent here because this is kind of, you know, quintessentially what you do. Um, and not just with, with magic, but with all of your loves. It's very, it's like... It's like reality manipulation, you know? You're like a time lord of some kind, you know? Like, it's all relevant, is what I'm saying. Mind blown this morning with Daniel. Right? I mean, like, kind of. I know you're right. You're absolutely right, and I do think about these things, but I... Yes, it is. It's um, down to every love, and it goes right down to makeup. I was just talking to a friend on Facebook this morning who's getting, like, an it makeup ready, oddly enough, ready for... uh, I think it's going to be a lap dancing... Uh, Pennywise clown. So, <laughs> well, I don't know what it you were talking about. I was like, I think he's talking about the movie, but I just want to make sure. Yes. Pennywise. I was like throwing him makeup tips. I couldn't help myself because he was like, hey, how does this look, everybody? And I'm like, okay, you got to connect the eyebrow down to the line and it will make the piece, you know, the fake piece you're wearing on your forehead connect a little bit better and then use a blue tone that will tie it together. I'm like, and I just couldn't help like trying to manipulate that reality like yeah. you said reality manipulation but then you said time lord now why did you yeah. say time lord uh just because like space and time are, are all one right it's the fourth dimension and so like you can't really adjust one without the other and i think some of the things that you do manipulate time in a way right so so if you were oh, to yes, like yes. have a, like a magic trick manipulates time right editing manipulates time acting manipulates time um, not so much makeup necessarily, but it can. It can manipulate someone who's young to old. So you're right. you're increasing time there. But you know, like like for example, let's take one of your your tricks on on the show. Um, like you no, take. But, yeah, I would just throw that. You've just raised that. Probably makeup does that more than anything else. Is like people are trying to look younger, trying yeah. to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but like, even like the, you take these beetles and then you give them like some um, some toothpicks and then you cover them and then within seconds they've built like a little tower, right? Right. right. Um, but that's time manipulation because like there's no way, even if they had that ability, uh, which spoiler alert, they don't. Um, but if they did have that ability, it, they wouldn't do it that fast. It would take much longer. But that's kind of what tricks do. You that's, don't have the time to wait. That's funny you say that, Daniel, because that becomes part of our equation. To, to further complicate this beautiful puzzle, yeah, uh, that becomes our equation. Sometimes it might look more magical, like whoa, if they built it in a second. But then, mm-hmm. is that is that going to make somebody believe that they right. did it? That's a good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, reality, mani- reality manipulation. What is real? Like, what can you convince people is really possible? Time's a big part of that. 
Time is a big part of that. Yes, it is. You know, it's funny because sometimes if you let the time go a little long, um, I'm trying to think of an example of it. Sometimes I, well, I just, I, I got to think of all my examples without giving away what's going on. But like, if I let something go too long, mm-hmm. someone will just say, "Oh, we must have looked away or did something." Oh, like it right. has to happen within your immediate vision, or else <laughs> right. you start to find solutions because something's too impossible. Yeah. Like if there, if there's a, you know, a bicycle right behind you and then you turn around and it's gone if you didn't turn around for 10 minutes well then someone could have come over and grab it you're just gonna go someone someone must come over and grab that right but if it's like wait you're exactly right that bicycle couldn't have gotten taken right now it was just i just looked at it right 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 that's time well it's timing because it may again not to go back to everything you do i've really put a lot of thought into trying to really draw a line between all of the things that you do, which a lot of people don't know you've done many things. Like people know you for the show and mostly for magic, but you've got several other loves. Spoiler alert, your acting reel is online. I'll have a link to it on, on the page. But oh, wow. uh, but you were an, you were you are an actor, um, but you know, trying to do acting without the magic element. Um, but you know, I'm trying to find a through line for all this stuff. But for all of them Timing is really important. To me, your greatest gift is not the magic. The magic's fine. It takes a great amount of skill, don't get me wrong. But any, a lot of people can do magic with practice. Not everyone can be funny with practice, right? And I think your real skill, your gift, is the comedy. And that is all timing. Trust me, I've studied this for a lot. I mean, really funny people, perfect timing, a great magic trick, perfect timing. You know, there's a, there's a direct correlation between people who are good yeah. at both of those, I think. Time Lord. Yeah, and that's um, where Time Lord is. Well, and here we go. So speaking and of I time, I changed my Halloween costume. I've got to be the Time Lord <laughs> or, or Father Time or something. Well, one of my favorite movies, by the way, that started this whole thing was Time Bandits. That started my whole love of magic and movies and special effects and really horror. Uh, yeah, um, Time Bandits. Why that Time Bandits? Blew my mind. Terry Gilliam, Time Bandits, a little boy who's you know midgets. That, by, can't say that. It's okay that they were midgets. Yeah, they you were can't say that. Band of midgets. Um, who came through his wardrobe and pulled him into alternate realities? It was um, it was so promising <laughs> to think the world was full of all those like secret traveling groups. <laughs> well, it's the little holes you talk about. Like in, exactly. in some of your interviews, you said like those little holes. Like that's finding those holes, which we are in science. We're finding wormholes, time manipulation. Like it's it's not there yet, but there are ways to do it. You know. I'm sure out yeah. there, I guess, um, which there's a lot of tan- so there's a lot of things I want to say with that sentence right there. But the first thing, I'm going to go back to manipulating time. So hold on a second. But the one thing yeah, I want to say. I'll drag you all through it. That's part of my skill. No. I, will try, I, I will try and smear this around. No, I know. I know. I got to get the good stuff because there's a couple things I, I want to know. Um, but first of all, I got to tell you a couple things because I think you're going to find these next couple stories pretty interesting. Um, and I'll keep them, uh, I'll keep, try to keep them brief, but I think you're going to like it. So first of all, you have a record with this show, Fascinating Nouns. And that record is that the first time I contacted you, the first time you agreed to do the interview was Tuesday, April 16th, 2013 at 1.34 p.m. And we are now talking Monday, October 16th, 2017 at right around 10 a.m. Uh, that is a four year, seven month because of a leap year, exactly seven months, 20 hours and 26 minutes. Uh, that is a record that you hold, sir, and that you may hold for a very long time. There is someone else who's in contention, but I believe that they're out of the running. Um, but I want to congratulate you on that because you did. Uh, persistence pays off, number one. That's lesson number one. And number two, here we are talking right now. Yes. How incredible is that? 
it's the Time Lord at work himself. <laughs> well, and here's an interesting this story. This is the only place you were supposed to find me. This is... <laughs> it must be. It must be. This And this happened um, because of a very quasi-magical event that you know one side of. I want to tell you my side of the story. Can I can I talk for for Please. like three minutes? Okay. Go for it. Go so for it. earlier this year, so you you're you you're not on tour anymore, but you were on tour for about a year and a half, right? With your with um. I am currently on tour. Oh, you're currently on tour. Oh, okay. Um, so you're currently on tour. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna plug that, and make sure people can go see it because it is a show that's it's an amazing show. Um, unlike unlike your TV show, The Carbonaro Effect, it's a magic show, but it's a strictly a magic show. Um, there's no real prank pulling. It's great, incredible. You put on a great show, by the way. Thanks. Um, so at the show, so this is earlier this year in March. Um, so at that point, why am I telling you all this? At that point, I'd been chasing you for an interview for about three years, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I've got personality flaws, Michael. I was, a little, I was a little salty. friend of mine buys me tickets to your show. I mean, great person, beautiful gift for Christmas. Yeah. I get tickets to your show. So I look at it. And I'm like, how could you buy me tickets to the show? He won't do my podcast. He said he would, and I was a total jerk. I was totally out of yeah, line. No, right? you were right though. No, I was. I was out of. I was. I was I out of line. Same was... conversations on my end, by the way, with my. my <laughs> no, you were. Get I'm like, out I of here. Do that thing. I get out of here. I'm gonna do it. I gotta do that one. And I, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You know, keep it coming. Keep it coming. There's there's mystery no, to be solved. No, no. Here. This is this is a good story. It's a good story. And I'm the butt of the joke here, right? So so I'm a jerk, and I I, I apologize to her profusely, but I was a jerk. Um, so then flash forward to March, right? So it's the day of the show, and she's like, hey, we got those tickets. Do you still want to go? And I'm like, I don't want to go. That's crazy. Like, I, again, I, don't, I was like, I don't want to go see him, blah, blah, blah. Um, so finally, I'm like, ah, I really like him, though. You know, it's like kind of like that huffy, like, but I really like him. He's really good. <laughs> you know, I love magic. So we go to the show. We sit down. So while you're sitting there, everyone's kind of getting settled in. There's a thing on the screen. And it says, text your number to this, you know, text your, your number right. to this, and you can meet Michael Carbonaro. And so, like, a light bulb goes off my head. I'm like, you know what? I bet if I go and see him, this will all come together, right? I was like, no, that's, that's, that'll, that's what will happen. And so I'm like, hey. And, she, and she, she, where she works, she has two phones. I go, hey, send a number there. We'll have three entries into this. We'll go talk to him, and then this whole thing will work out. And I'm like, and I know, I'm looking around, no one else is t texting in their number. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we put it in there. Then I glance over, and all the kids in front of me have settled in. They're typing in the number. People buy <laughs> Everyone's doing it, right? And so, um, so anyway, I, I'm like, oh, I guess that's not going to happen. So I sit down, watch the show, have a great time. Um, and I'm kind of like, ah, he's not such a bad guy. So we get up to leave, and my phone buzzes in my pocket. And so I'm like, no, it can't be. And I pick up the phone, and sure enough, it says, you've won like a you know backstage pass to Michael Carbonaro, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now, and uh, this is not a joke. This is a real story. This happened, and I, and I show her and, and my friend, and she was like, oh my god, we got to go. This is insane. So we go to the bathroom and we go downstairs. We get in. Um, we finally get in because people kind of didn't believe it. You have this one great prank where this guy, um, you are a winner of a car, and like he, yeah. you make the car disappear, and he's like, and you're like, I'm the winner, I'm the winner, and they're like, no, but the car's not here. I felt like that because people are like, what are you talking about, the winner? And I'm like, no, that thing on the screen, I won. Finally, so like finally I get in, I come in to meet you, right? And I, first of all, I'm sending pictures all the time. I can't believe this is happening. I'm in line with other VIPs and backstage, whatever, and I come up and I talk to you, and I'm like, hey. Do you remember me? I'm this person. And with all the credit, I got to give you, you are, you know all this stuff. You knew who I was. 
you apologized for not being able to do an interview. You like knew the guy, uh, Zach Gruber, shout out to him for, for introducing us. You knew everything. And that magical moment like turned into this interview, right? Like how cool of a story is that? Right. And I totally, I didn't deserve it. Like, like all the steps leading up to that, like I totally didn't deserve it, but here we are. Like, that's a cool story. That's an amazing story. That's right? an amazing synchronicity that I, <laughs> not you know, a put on, you're not... going to make me question. I don't know what's going on in this universe, but that's weird, right? Is some carbonara effect type stuff that I don't. And I wish I, I wish I set it up. I had a, as you're telling <laughs> the story, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking I got like this, like little publicist brain that was like, now you've got to make everyone believe that you orchestrated that somehow. And I was like, no. Like, no, no, that's I'm like, worse. I could own this. I could just guru it. You know, just take credit for the universe is how you become a guru, right? Isn't that the rule? Yeah. Just take credit. Well, but, well, but you rule so time well, without having to do anything. You just did it naturally. You didn't have to manipulate it. That's an even well, better story. Well, here's what's interesting that you might not know, though, from my side of you telling the story. When you said, you know, that you had a salty personality, all I did. I'm thinking was that I was the one at major fault, and then you kept saying that you were at fault and you're the butt of the joke. And I'm like, wait, no, I was the one who was like, I'm gonna do the interview, and then I, I just got swept up and I didn't, and I wanted to, and it was back and forth, and I definitely was holding the guilt about that. <laughs> well, good, so, good. As, as you're telling the story, I felt like. I'm so thankful that that happened. It was like the universe allowed us to have this interview because I was supposed to give it to you, and I said I would. Yeah. Well, it's cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. you, you take some blame here. Carbonaro, you're not off the hook, man. I'm no, saying not. I owe so, – so Sarah Brandt the person who bought the tickets. She's the producer on the show, um, and so I owe her an apology. Here's a public apology. Uh, you were right. I was wrong. She's going to love that. Um, but what it did, here's what's, here's what's cool about it, right? So I started, like, I was introduced to you. We're talking way, this is before the show. So this actually gives us a very cool, like, jumping in point to the stuff that, because you've had quite an explosion in popularity in, in the past four years, right? Yeah. When, when I was first introduced, you were doing little segments on The Tonight Show, um, mm -hmm. I believe back when Jay Leno was on. And right. Magic Clerk, which is essentially, I don't understand how they didn't come after you for like gimmick infringement because that's essentially the Carbonaro effect is the Magic Clerk. It's like you, an unsuspecting clerk, doing magic tricks and, you know, the same stuff you do. was like, go for it. It's yours. I oh, have that's no cool. That. You know, he, they, they, he was very well aware. Oh, how close it you was? You know, that I, it was me and my magic buddies doing it. Yeah, and it oh, was like, he was just letting us play over there. They were really open to what a playground. That's so, cool. Yeah, I mean that's really yes. cool, and that was like the beginning of the the magic, like as far as like the magic explosion. And here's another. While we're talking about this, I want to talk about something else that's kind of interesting that I don't know that people really know necessarily about magic. But you have like like a team. You're I mean, there's only one diva, right? There's only one Michael Carbonaro. But there's lots <laughs> of people who kind of are behind the scenes, even for like a magician. You know? Oh my God! You said there's only one diva, and then I couldn't hear the rest of your sentence. <laughs> well, I meant you. Melting because it's so not true. Oh, oh my God! Well, you're the guy, though. <laughs> I'm the guy. I get to be the guy. Yeah, yeah, I get to be the guy, and I have to be the guy, and I am the guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is, but I mean, there's lots of. It's just kind of cool that people don't think that you know all these things have to be created and designed, and because it's not you know oh, you're not no, it's not the dark like arts. It's not a miracle team, and it's it's a miracle team, and I'm so excited that they're they're involved in the gags all the time. You know, they're the accomplices. I've got one of my magic team members who. Uh, paints a lot of the stuff along with me and designs some of the magic is going to be um, being cursed like Medusa-like into a statue this season. 
Oh, um, wow. Oh, that's yeah, a great so, idea. Yeah, my buddy Darren Berger. Well, so that was uh, Chad Sanborn. My buddy Darren Berger uh, was turned into Beatles in the Egyptian Museum. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. And, uh, he's going to be uh, getting himself involved in a little manhole accident this season. <laughs> David Regal, who is the mastermind behind so much of the Carbonaro effect, uh, he's the guy I twisted his legs all crazy in a yeah. chiropractor's office. I've met so him they, before at the Magic Castle. Oh, he's the best. He's great. He's a really great magician. Yeah. And Matt Schick is, um, I think the only appearance Matt Schick had, and he's a, the other secret force behind the show and the live show and so much of what I do. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he was, um, oh yeah, you know him, of course, because yeah, <laughs> that's I met how you got me, right? That's how I got you, yeah, to go through Matt. He's great. He's really nice. Um, he, was, he was my assistant in the episode where we accidentally vacuumed up the dog in a, um, <laughs> in a haircutting salon. Uh, he's like a machine. He's a really interesting guy. He, 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 uh, he's an enigma. That's, those are the best people, man. Those are the ones you want. You know, it's, it's, so, so let me ask you this. Let's go back a little further, right? So let's go. Let's, go, let's, let's do a deep dive into the Carbonaro brain, okay? Okay. How far back does... Forget magic, okay? How far back does, like, pranking go? Because that's really the quintessential thing here, is it's like having... And what I love about what you do, and I'm going to make this very clear, because I hate the word prank, because there's so many children on YouTube doing this kind of stuff, jackass style, that's so mean-spirited, and what you do is so not, and it's so fun for everyone... That is, like, key to everything. It's why, like, the Jerky Boys, really weird, like, uh, comparison. But they make prank phone calls, but they're kind of the joke. Like, they're not really... Sometimes they curse, but they're not cursing at people. They're very... They, it's all about keeping the joke going. And yeah. you and you do that in a very fun way. Everyone has fun. I love it. That's interesting you say the Jerky Boys, because you know what? Their, their content was a lot uh, darker and racier. Definitely, 100%. They were, they were the joke. Yes. They were, you know, it was putting somebody in a situation. You know, I remember the early, the early stuff with them when, you know, they, there was a, a situation where they, they would get on the phone to, to, to call somebody who was uh, having auditions for a talent show. <laughs> yeah. And they would describe their act, and it's, like, really bizarre. And, yeah, and the yeah. person was just put in that uncomfortable position. But, like, and, and the person who's watching it, my <laughs> pranks or that prank, is thinking, how yeah. would I deal with this in this situation? And they're right. laughing. right. Not that you, yeah, you have compromised somebody. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the thing is, it's fun, right? And and I love doing that kind of stuff. Like, I'm a big, I love so pulling history, jokes on I would people. Say, well, I would say for me, Candid Camera, watching Candid Camera as a kid. Okay, that was the first real genesis. Did you? Because on that show, they do a lot of that stuff. Did you? Did yeah. that translate? When did that translate into real life for you? Like, when were you like, hey, I can do this stuff to people and it's fun? Well, wait, if we were digging deep now, you oh, said you go we're back? digging deep into the Carbonaro brain. Yeah, yeah, take me back. It's like, I, I, when you say prank, I start to think of prank and I think about candid camera for sure. But the umbrella is way bigger because it's back to the core thing we were talking about before about, you know, reality manipulation because special effects had that same. Okay. It's like, oh, I pranked the un- you pranked the universe. You know, like, I don't really <laughs> yeah, have yeah, yeah. like this. Ha ha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, special <laughs> effects are this. There's something about being able to say, I can recreate or mi- reality. I can manipulate this in a way that it looks like my eyes are red or I have vampire teeth or there's a monster in that box mm-hmm. or some, you know, uh, Reagan's floating in The Exorcist or sure, distance yeah. floating on stage. It's all under that umbrella of manipulation. So that the, all of those are pranks, right? Yeah, definitely, 100%. So they call things like that bits, pranks, stunts, gags. What's the gag today? What's the yeah. bit? What's the prank? What's the, you know, 
Yeah. And I kind of dig that because Teller, for example, I had when I first started talking, uh, funny enough, with Teller. Uh, <laughs> Got that. Uh, okay. We became friends. We were talking back and forth, and I was trying to talk all intellectually and because he's Teller. Right. Right. Like, you know, do you call? I think I asked him. I'm like, do you? I think he, he wrote to me. And he's like, I really liked your needle trick. I'm like, oh, um, do you call it tricks or? And he was like, oh yeah, just just tricks. I like your needle trick. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah. So he was. A, he just used the colloquial term. You expected like a but much more highfalutin. Hey, you know though, but the word trick though, even the anomatopoeia of it, trick sounds much friendlier and fun, doesn't it? Definitely. No, I I agree. I it's mean, a did, trick. so did you play tricks on people? Like when you were a kid, did you like this in high school? Did you like where was like the genesis where you're like, oh, this is fun to do, and I'm funny. Like, did it ever come together in like a moment? Um, no, I don't think so. Huh? Not, okay. Uh, no, not like that. I mean, when you said when I'm trying to think of things that I orchestrated that had a combination. The 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 first one I can think of that was a real orchestrated prank that involved special effects and you know some secret setup. I guess you can say, oh wait a minute, now I've got it. Schemes. Okay. Me and my brother and my okay. <laughs> used to pull schemes on each other. That's what okay. we called it. Where we got the term from, um, and it was like, what's the scheme going to be? And it could be anything from uh, devaporation, which was you know my brother and my cousin Sean somehow figured out how to devaporate through the walls, and me and my cousin Ryan couldn't figure out how they did it. Like they were able to lock themselves in the laundry room, and then all of a sudden we would go around the outside of the house, and they were able to get through the wall even though the door was locked. Oh, cool. Okay. We found out later. You know what? They had a key. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, but the just ruined their of trick, dude. Devaporation. Yeah. What the heck is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it's a scheme. And then I think another scheme we had to me and my 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 cousin Ryan. That's how we kind of paired up. Was like Chuck and Sean and me and Ryan. But we'd switch back and forth. Um, my brother is Chuck. I have one older brother, uh, almost two years older. And uh, we were just the, we are the greatest pals. And he's a creative, wild, insane person. And um, so we would meet up with our two cousins from New Jersey, Sean and Ryan. And I paired up with Ryan. I think one of my schemes was we had to make Chuck and Sean believe that the Psylocke pit from Return of the Jedi <laughs> was like outside the house in a little alcove by the bushes. It was not very effective. We drew, right. we colored one on a big piece of paper and kind of <laughs> buried it around some leaves and stuff, but it just didn't have that three-dimensional quality we right. were looking for. Right, right, right. <laughs> they were schemes. Yeah, it was like, oh, what's the scheme going to be? We have a scheme for tonight. And um, gosh, where we got that, I don't know. But that's it, though. I mean, that's kind of. I mean, that's essentially. You you didn't have the the real skills, the magician skills, to add into that. But like, that's what you were doing. I mean, to devaporate, that's a magic. The trick is a key. Is magic. You know, it sure but is. yeah, devaporation is magic. And we used to do these things. The other thing, that it, we would make these pieces of paper. Uh, we'd make these little projects called draw on the back things. And okay. we would take a piece of paper and you would draw like a flower pot and you draw a little person standing next to it. Then on the back of the paper, you would draw something else. So first you would, you would, and when you were ready to show yours in front of the group, you would say, okay, one day there was a little boy and see there's a flower pot and there was no flower until one day and you'd hold it up to the light and then you'd see the flower having uh. grown in the pot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's always blank, 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 blank. Until one day. <laughs> that's, that's magic. That's a magic trick, right? Before and after. Absolutely. 
Wow. So so that kind of got you into like into the concept of because we of didn't have tricking. phones. <laughs> right. Oh, forget phone. phones are ruining everything. By the way, I remember you saying one thing where the hardest part is keeping people's attention because they're always on their phone. Like that sure. is oh my god, that's yeah. like a nightmare. It's, it's also beautiful too because it's you can distract anybody from anything. Anything. With a phone, you mean, or you can, like, you can keep people distracted from. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to leave that at that. So you had this love of magic. How did it develop into like I want to gain like real skills? Okay. You know what I mean. You when did it when did it gain into real? No, skills? no, no, no. I'm saying no, I'm saying when did you go from like hey these schemes are fun we're oh. doing these kind of like you know, quasi magic to like, well, if I had some skill to this, maybe this would be. Okay. I was just thinking about this two nights ago, which is why I postponed the interview for four years. (laughs) Cause I must've needed to make this connection. Okay. This is the first time on fasting. Now this is a fasting announce first. Okay. So (laughs) as there, everything that we're talking about about the manipulation reality, it's like it's it seems image based. It's like I can make that look like it's floating, or I can create some weird shadow effect with paint or something that makes it look like there's nothing underneath that table when maybe there really is. Mm-hmm. That's all like manipulation. But then when it comes to the the human animal, the the artist, like executing that is when it becomes a uh, a relationship between um, between that illusion and the person creating the illusion, right? That's the ma- magician to the illusion. Uh-huh. So, so for me to go back to your question, do you remember when that you know you're saying did when did it click? Did it ever click? Like, oh, I'm putting all these things together. Click the 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 early click outside of schemes. We were just talking about schemes, right. pieces of paper, like the devices, visual things that we did. You uh-huh. know, uh-huh. Um, this this was about. When I was in show choir, I, I in seventh grade, I went to jazz night and performed with the show choir, and I got to wear a sparkly cummerbund and a bow tie, <laughs> and I I remember putting that on. We had just gotten the outfits, and I was upstairs in my mom's room putting on my. I was so so excited about the bow tie and the cummerbund. <laughs> they were red, sparkly, like lame. It wasn't sequins, but it was that cool lame that was fine sparkles. So it was totally not faggy at all <laughs> this is legit gold lame. i mean uh, red lame so legit just the, only the finest fabrics we had color guard gloves which were red on one side and white on the other i and it was it's ridiculous now that oh, I think, no, I think it's we lost beautiful. those pretty quickly yeah i think we were called soundsation anyhow <laughs> i think it was my enthusiasm about putting it on and showing my mom the gloves on either side yeah. that she was like she said well you're yeah she almost like she had realized it she was like well you're a born entertainer right and she said she said that yeah yeah well you know that's that's profound right in a lot of different ways because the conclusion that i i have a well let me ask you a question first wait wait before you go there because the the other part that the other part is connected to that was when i performed wearing that outfit yeah on stage that was my first time going on a big stage 
and I don't even know what it looked like from the front. I don't even know where we were. We were down some corridor with the group. Everybody stand to the side of the wall. Come over here. We're going through a back door. We had rehearsed, you know, in the gym or whatever at, at our junior high, but now we were at the high school for jazz night. So it's a big deal. Yeah. And <laughs> we're going in. And it's dark and there's curtains and it's like, okay, guys, enter. And you're walking out into this void and it, it's just the stage. And when those spotlights are hitting you, you are looking out into like outer space darkness. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Nothingness yeah. With the light and you see some some reflections of heads and there's blue light on you and red light. on That feeling, that experience. Yeah is like sailing through outer space. It certainly was the first time getting to perform up there in that in that void. Yeah. And it was like uh, and then there was a reaction back, like the universe echoing back to you. That's the audience like resounding back. It's yeah. like it was everything. And I I notice now on my tour when I bring people up on stage, they a lot of them, the first thing they do is they put their hand up and go, "Whoa. It's you can't see anything." And I've been kind of playing with that. I've been like, yes, it's the void. Talking to the void. They know you're there. And <laughs> what a what a, an intense what an intense feeling that is. And a, what an intense presence and place. So if you're asking for the first time that I went whoa theatrically, that stands out more so than my mom saying, you know, you're an entertainer. Mm. More so than the draw on the back things or the schemes. It was that. Holy crap! Am I am I sailing through outer space, like, and just talking to the universe, and it's talking back, and we have a relationship, and then that's why I love a magician. I can go now. I can go down versus a play, which I love acting and I love performing that way. But a now I'm going down into the crowd and reaching into the void and pulling another soul up onto the stage. <laughs> this is some intense power and control. Yeah. And and an unknown fun that we can have with each other. Yeah. Unknown fun. That kind of like. More so than if it's so rehearsed, and that's why the carbonaro effect is like that—that that, that improvisational kind of energy. That's what's the same in that show and me on stage, is that like we don't know. I don't know what he's gonna say, and what's Michael gonna say, and what's the guy gonna say, and it, is it gonna happen? And I don't know. And who? Oh my gosh, he said that, and he couldn't have said that unless that happened. And we're all here right now, and that's like the heart of improvisation, and why people love going to see improv shows. And right. So that would be, I think that first time I saw The Void, I was in that sparkly outfit and I saw that and that was maybe the whoa. That's a big deal, right? I mean, because that's, though, that experience, like there aren't a lot of people who will be able to, who can really sum up like a shift in their life to a moment and a moment that's so profound. There's also not a lot of people, I mean, you know, the, this fear of spe public speaking is, you know, is second only to death or something like that, right? Like, right. so most people will never even step on a stage. Now, I've been on stage before. I've, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I can completely relate. And there is no other feeling like it in the world. Whether you love it or hate it, there's no other situation. And most people listening, I mean, you described it extraordinarily well. Um, but you, you can't truly experience it until you've been in that situation and know exactly what you're talking about. Because it is so foreign and unique because most of us have only sat in the audience looking up you've never been on stage looking down at an audience right you know? and it's that is it's it's just such a foreign feeling that some people hate and they want to die and other people yeah. like you like feel like you're soaring through outer space right well, i mean isn't it funny it's funny you say that too because let me i was so excited to get as enthused and to to underline it in such a poetic and beautiful way and i'm hoping that i even because the other side of that is really intense too. The uh, believe me, 
to say that, like you said, if some people would rather die, it's like that close yeah. that death is it, <laughs> I, I, for every show, every show. I am just devastated. What do you mean? Like nervous? Oh, yeah. Really? I mean, and it, it some huh. days more than others, but and it's it it goes down to there's an energy. It's sort of a like, oh, God. Like, I guess, well, doesn't that sound like a lot of responsibility when you say you can go out into the middle of outer space and control the forces of the universe? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. The whole world of responsibility, the whole spectrum of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, that is intense. It's intense. And I think, I, I you know, every every performer, I've heard a lot of different people talk about it, and Jack Plotnick, who is an, an amazing acting teacher and actor here in Los Angeles, who I hooked up with, talks about this energy, too. And he, he, he says... What, wait, his his relation was he said Judy um, Judy Dench talks about it as being her batteries, like mm. that anxiety, like that little ball of energy that's like instead of going, oh my gosh, why am I nervous? I shouldn't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. You know, none yeah. of that. That'll never work. It's kind of like more trying to hone into it and go, okay, what is this? Is it like I'm about to get on the roller coaster? Kind of, I'm scared. Yeah. Or is it the like I have to go break up with somebody? I'm scared. <laughs> or, right. Which, by the way. What a strange I, that was a really strange analogy, but like it, both of those also come with a kind of catharsis and a, a, a light uh, at the end of the tunnel, don't they? Yeah, you know, there's a you're, you have a goal to get through, you got to get over the thing. And uh, that, that you if you climb the mountain, and I guess sometimes the mountain can just be as simple as walking out on stage right now. I just got to get from out backstage, get all this <laughs> right just get out there and start, you know, then, yeah. then you're and it's easier. Um, yeah, I, I think you know. It's what you're so when you talk about that nervous energy, it's it's not unique to performing like entertainers because a lot of athletes have that. You know, I remember, you know, I I never played sports at a high level, and I know you're not really into sports, but um, like you can. I like a lot of the outfits. (laughs) That's it's very important. But like it's the same thing when people are going out, even for a little game, but especially for the big games, the ones that matter. All the athletes, I mean, these guys are the best in the world, but they're all nervous about their performance. And in sports, it's a little different because you don't know what's going to happen because you're competing with someone else who could stop you from doing the thing you do. With you, when you're on stage, there's a a less likelihood that that anyone's going to stop you from doing what it is that you do, right? In that game game today, that moment on stage, this play. Right. No one's going to stop you. Well, maybe. Maybe. Heckler. Sure, sure, sure. Right, right. Yeah, it could be heckler. It could be a you know like a rogue magician or whatever. But it's it's right. v- but that's rare, right? And, in, and when you're in sports, there's always someone you're competing I've had against. Seven encounters of rogue magicians throwing fireballs at me from the balcony. <laughs> seven. <laughs> what? So, what you're talking about, right? This energy. This is important because everyone feels it at some point. But I think entertainers feel it a lot. And it's you have to you 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 expressed it so perfectly because it's it's and I'm the, this is the nerdy physics geek in me but it's like a controlled nuclear reaction right it can very quickly get out of control and you can have a meltdown but if you harness that energy and you focus it right. you can have nuclear power right like you can power real things with it but you, it has to be a certain size and a certain intensity and it's good you need it like you have yes. to have that drive right. Um, cause that's what makes people want to be good, but it can't go bananas. No. And that's the same as like what you're saying with an athlete too. It's the mm-hmm, discipline, exactly. the discipline and control and, and focus. Yeah. And that is, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard. I mean, sports is hard. Yeah. 
I mean, sports it, but, is hard. Yeah, it is. is it I mean, sports is hard or sports are hard. Sports is hard. Uh, that's a good question. I I don't know because I don't. It's not. It's more like the royal plural. I'm not a gra- I'm not a grammar guy, so I'm gonna go with whatever know, you I think say. It'd be very funny to see like a big jockey football player with a shirt that said "Sports is hard." <laughs> <laughs> now you now you're busting my balls. It's okay. I like. No, it. I love it. Are you kidding? I'm I like it. Fun. That's all we can do. I love it. Make fun. I don't know. I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna find an answer, and that will come out. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet out the the correct answer just so people know. Yeah. Um, did yeah. Now, so here's what I want to ask you a big question here. Genuinely, this is a really big question because I, as I was kind of putting your things together and as we've been talking, I've kind of been mulling over. You're known as being a magician. Obviously, you love it. But I would say that your actual love is performance. And it wouldn't have really mattered what you did as long as you were performing. This happens to be an incredibly perfect fit for your skill set. Like, the type of fit that most people don't get in their lifetime. Like, you're incredibly lucky to be able to be doing something that you are A, so good at. um, And B, that I imagine that you like on some level. Uh, You may even love it. I don't know. Um, But... Am I right there? Is is it really performance that's like your number one love? Thank you for that assessment because this is the big question. Right. I don't know right now. Yeah. Uh, it's it is the it's the question that I always come to when I'm at a crossroads of some kind because it seems I, I can I can circle around performing magic with hidden cameras, a skill set that had been done way before me and will be done during and after me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that before that, before I found that, I um, I was like, it's very, it's very hard to, I didn't know whether I wanted to be an actor or a magician. It's like, if I go forward as a magician, it's so hard to be an actor. People don't take an actor seriously who's a mm-hmm. magician. It always sounds weird. It's a tough word. We're trying to... You know, it's different. It's different to say I'm an actor who is, you know, plays the violin and be like, I'm an actor and I'm also a magician. You're like, oh, there's just a different feeling there. So that's a tricky place that I was struggling with. And then then I was really happy to to have such an ability to have to have people to to find a, a something that I was harnessing my special effects love and my magic love, my performance love, my comedy love, all those things are working really well within that structure. Mm -hmm. So I feel really lucky about that. But to your point about, you know, what I heard in your question when you said that you might, that I know you like, you might even love, you're talking specifically about magic. Yeah. Not, you know, magic tricks, right? Because this is the ultimate, this is the one that keeps me up at night. And, hmm. you know, this is the the arguments I have on the phone with my manager about <laughs> Sorry, dude. it's just really hard to yeah. because um, it becomes, it be, you know, it becomes I, I never saw myself as like a guy going on TV and like a TV interviews and doing magic tricks. Like, mm. oh, I'll show you a card trick. And I, I'm not really that guy in, in, in person either. Like, I'm no. not like, hey, have you seen the newest trick? Look, yeah. you take a ring and watch it float. I'm not that guy. And I, I um, but like the other day, I was running around my place like in, like a crazy maniac putting together my first set of acrylic vampire teeth. And I'm like running around, <laughs> and these things look amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, 
look at this and that, and that and now i'm thinking like oh you know what i could do later in the carbonara effect like maybe i'll like my teeth will suddenly be all whacked and then they're normal <laughs> but like i'm thinking those kinds of like magic and magic and pranks and so my head's my head's in a different place but then i get under the under the the pressure of going toward like interviews for example it's like in the in the in the world of you know in the tv world you get like Oh, he's a magician, so he's going to come on. We figured we'd have him do a trick before the break, and then when we come back, yep. he can just give us another one. And, and it's then, so clunky, by the way. Guests, and maybe he can do a trick for them too. You know, like mm -hmm. it's it's just a, a <laughs> it's a hard uh, angle to maneuver around and through, especially when I'm like, who am I? I'm in the middle of it, going, you know, still trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Aren't we all in all, all the time? Yeah. But the Carbonaro effect has has um i never thought i would we've i don't even know how many we've done now i think we're over 70 episodes i should know the number i don't know but it's three seasons too. of like well it can't be 70 because it's three seasons of like around 18 so you know, I don't like, know. Feel, like there's there's a danger it's like when i start to not know how many episodes i've done and there's a time in the, within the group you know the magic group that you talk about that we our team you know that we're with you know, someone will pitch an idea and we'll be like, we did that. We, we did. Yeah, like, we yeah. did that. Did we shoot it? We shot it. And, we <laughs> did it. We did. and we're like, look back. And like, Oh yeah. Like that. It's a dangerous place to be because yeah. I think for anybody, um, you know, because then you, you start to repeat yourself. And I, I see that happening because there's great for, formulas that always work. And we put a spin on them and, and, uh, people love it. You know, that's what I learned on the tours. People are like, just pull a caterpillar out of your nose. I don't care. Do you know, we love watching you do stuff. Just be silly. Right. Right. And that's cool. You know, and I, and I love and appreciate that, but it takes a lot of, um, bandwidth. And then, you know, we're constantly, I'm constantly trying to find ways to redefine, right. And emerge and surprise and transform. Um, and under the pressure of doing so much of it so quickly, it, it's a real, uh, it becomes a real mental challenge too. uh, yeah. not only where to take the show, but where to take myself. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, look, I, I don't know you that well, but it's kind of like why I ask that question because I see this struggle, right? Cause I see a guy who's got so many different loves and talents and obviously you're very good at magic and it requires a love to do it well because it's, I mean, you have to practice the moves over and over. If somebody knocked on my window right now yeah. and said, hey, Michael, let's do like a Cronenberg's The Fly with you, yeah. like, like a movie like that, um, but you'd have to stop <laughs> the carbonara effect right now. I'd be like, let's do it. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm. That would be fun, by the way. Yeah, it would. That would be. No, that I, I t but that like that says a lot, right? It doesn't mean that you don't love it. It doesn't mean it's just like there are, you know, sometimes you can do something that's really close. Here's a here's an example, right? That most people I think don't know now because it's been so long because you've been doing movies so long. But I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, right? Love pro wrestling. I love the whole the the theater of it. I love everything about it. So The Rock is the best pro wrestler of all time. He's like the equivalent, I'm going to use a term you probably don't know that well, but a five-tool player in baseball, right? He could do everything. He could wrestle. He had a great personality. He could talk. He had great entrance music. Anyway, there's five tools of a pro wrestler. I was thinking, I was thinking about how those five tools would have any relevance in baseball. I'm like, why would you need No, <laughs> no in wrestlers. Sorry, sorry. I wasn't clear. Um, but he had, he had everything. I mean, he is arguably yeah. the greatest. I mean, because most people know Hulk Hogan, right? But Hulk He's Hogan couldn't really wrestle. He's a force to be reckoned with on, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's what we would call in theater a triple threat, okay? Yeah, yeah, and he's at least triple threat. But he's the kind of guy who could go out and say something really stupid, and the next week, as soon as he said it again, the entire crowd would be chanting what he said. He, he was like a maestro. I've never seen anyone control an audience like he could in pro wrestling. He was made for pro wrestling as a third-generation pro wrestler. That is where he is. That's his perfect place to be, right? I mean, that's where he belongs. However, the call of Hollywood... Right, the call of money, yeah. the call of whatever. Maybe, maybe it's even artistic expression. I don't know. But now he's the biggest draw in Hollywood. Like no one would say he made the wrong decision. I can't. But he's not as good. Like he's great. I mean, I, I think he's. This is no knock on on Dwayne Johnson. I think he's incredible as an actor. He's very funny. He fits that role very well. I just know, having been a fan and seen him for so long, yeah. that his true skill set lies at being a pro wrestler. There's no one who will ever be better, and he will never be as good at anything else. And I think, you know, I think people can struggle with that. And I see that in you. Like, I think there are things that you are incredible at that's clear. Um, yeah, you know, and I think, and it's not just the hypnosis of your uh, <laughs> voice and <laughs> Thank under, you. Uh, saying the point again. But <laughs> yeah. to answer your question, then yes. Where I go in the middle of that struggle, that like, when I get really down about feeling stuck while in the middle of the ultimate dream. I'm like, here right. I am doing everything I wanted, but I, and yet I'm, and how beautiful to be challenged. I have like all the thoughts, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, well, it's yeah. Great, you're still feeling challenged. Like, do I have to feel sad, like, about it, though? Like, do I have to be, like, ripping myself apart and trying to break through? And why, you know, it's like, it be, but in all of that, uh, the freedom comes from being on stage and in that void again. Mm -hmm. So, right. yes, the answer to your question is yes, it's per it's performing Yes, it's performing. Right. And I imagine, like, look, here's the thing. I think, I, I, I'm not a manager, I'm not a talent manager. I've just been in the business a long time. But I, I bet that there is a place. You said you'd quit to do Cronenberg's The Fly, right? I mean, you know, there are lots of comedians now who are doing serious roles. If you had, if you were given that offer, right? Like, if there was any way for you to do that, my guess is you could do all of that. The thing is you have to be able to prove that you can. And, like, that's the trick, right? Um, is like being able to, if you do, if you get, everyone likes to pigeonhole because it's very easy to be like, oh, he's the guy who does that one thing. It's like, well, dude, I've got so many more skills than like this one thing right. I'm showing you. Right. But once you show people that you can do multiple things, it's just a matter of getting that opportunity. But I think you could, I think you could open that up and I think you could do Cronenberg's The Fly. I mean, I really do think that you have that ability. Thanks, man. Yeah. No, I mean, genuinely. I'd I like mean, to see uh, if I do too. Yeah, you should. I mean, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love that, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's true. And I think what it what it is right now is I'm in I'm in the the, the wave of the the supply and demand is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes you sense. Know, we, it's it's a it's an incredible, horrible, <laughs> amazing thing because. Right. And I guess it's about right being again like you you know like that anxiety like right before going out on stage that ball of energy that's like oh you know am i scared or am i do i just not want to do this um mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the same thing it's the same it's the same thing for making life decisions when it when it and i guess if you're if you're all if, if you're that strapped they say that if you don't feel that before you go out on stage then it's time to do something else like yeah. challenge yourself more so yeah, yeah that's a good point you, yeah and i keep myself saying okay i think that's how it goes but you know <laughs> It'll it'll all be about just 
surfing, getting to balance it and stay on the board at the same time. Yeah. Well, you know, and I would say that, like, and look, I don't want to see the show come to an end. I think the show's incredible. I think, the, I think it's needed because it's so great, and I love, I mean, I love magic. Like, I, I, I'm so googly-eyed about magic. Yeah, I, I, that's me. Like, I'm, I love magic. However, I could see that there, you know, there's always a time to move on, but, like, what, you know, what is the next step? What is, you know, what comes after that? And, like, at what point is, like, okay, we've done all the magic. Like, what else can we do? Like, Penn and Teller are really great at reinventing themselves, but still sure. kind of doing the same thing, right? right. Um, but they kind of have a very yeah. political stance. You, know, and, you say that, too, because I do, you know, I, uh, you know, the carbonara effect has been a, this season coming out right now. You know, part of, part of why I'm so stoked about it is because it's – I'm almost, in a way, as quickly as I can, like – making up these little kind of bizarre stories. It's almost like little twilight zones. You know, some of the, some of the stuff coming out this season is really wicked. It's, it's really good. And it's, uh, it's, you know, some of it comes from some of my old journals is like writing stories about, you know, the plant that came to life, you know, with, uh, I think the guy who tried to bring his daughter back by burying the ashes into, you know, he was a botanist and it grew into a plant. Like I've, I've explored that story this season and the cursing to stone illusion I was telling you about is another one that's very heavy it would be something that I could, I probably would be directing it on television as a, as like a creep show or twilight zone <laughs> sure, episode yeah, yeah. because I'm like over here, I'm like, all right, well, we'll just, we'll make a carbonaro effect out of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to get to be able to play in that arena because it is a transition and it, it is like. And the fans are going to love that too. And it does, that does, like you said, the proving that you have those, I, I'm getting to, to play in those paint colors Yeah. within that structure, which is good. Um, really good. And, yeah. uh, a relief. Well, you're, it's because I mean, the point I was trying to make is it's to the point where like, you're, you're as good at this. You're incredible at it, right? Like you're incredible BSing people, incredible at the magic. Um, and I think what's actually really interesting about you is that you have this kind of dark side, right? Like you have this very like you're into horror movies, you're into like these this the stories you're just telling me are are pretty creepy, um, but they're they have to be kid friendly for the Carbonaro effect. Yeah, you know? it's funny, you know that is that's a fun little ride too. And it was different when I was growing up too, because gosh, when I was a kid, I I saw Jaws and Nightmare on Elm Street, and mm. uh, I, I loved horror movies. I think there was just a few we weren't allowed to watch very young. We weren't allowed to watch Poltergeist or The Exorcist because, and I think it was more about the like probably the eroticism in those things. But uh, yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. So for me, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, that's all I wanted to see. So I, I loved, you know, Spielberg used to have, there was a series Spielberg had on television for a while called like Amazing Stories. It's coming back, by the way. Apple just Is bought it. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Hmm. But yeah, like that, th those little bizarre stories, weird tales, I think that's what any magician has like uh, underneath it all is that. Well, maybe not any magician. Gosh, I, I lost my train of thought. I, but there's something about these like <laughs> these bizarre little stories yeah. that are the heart of I don't know. Gosh, it's like so much of uh, what what I feel. All of what I love is about is that there's there's not just there's like um, the magic means something more. It's like there's a twist of fate. Oh my gosh, this guy was cursed right. from this. And turned the stakes are higher, right? Statue. Yeah, and there's there's these like little stories that I'm trying to figure out why they're so important to me, and that's what I guess I'm always trying to dig up. 
I mean, just, that would be a great spinoff, man. Is like the uh, like a really dark side of magic, you know, like these kind of like like killer plants and things like that. I mean, not like scare tactics where it's goofy, but like if you could make it like very believably scary, like that's a great idea. Well, no, it's true. I mean, we we are doing that. I mean, these it's that's the line we ride. Is like, how do I make it scary enough that it's like, it's easy to scare somebody. Yeah. It's easy to scare somebody, and anybody you know in making a horror movie can make a loud sound and have something pop out. Nah, that's not real. But that's not it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone, someone needs to go, and there's one coming up particularly this season, and it it, it is based on that story, of that, of this botanist who had buried his daughter's ashes. Like this is a story I made up when I was a kid, and I wanted to see this illusion on stage where hmm. the plant bloomed, and you know she was her face was inside of it. And, oh um, wow, I love it. We told this story, but we, it was very different. We ended up making it about an alien plant that was assimilating things that it was touching. First, it touches an orange skin. I'm in I'm in a conservatory. <laughs> Somehow, I've gotten a worker to work with me the overnight shift at the Garden Conservatory in Chicago, and <laughs> we're we're cleaning up we're cleaning up an area of space that somebody just got fired because they were doing experiments and they weren't getting the proper paperwork to get the the kinds of plants that they were shipping in the agricultural licenses and stuff that he'd been doing so we had to clean up this whole area we find this little pod the pod i was talking about and i touch it haphazardly to an orange and then the top of the pod suddenly its skin looks like the orange skin and then my assistant comes in who's an accomplice you know my magic assistant so to speak And she's like, what is that? And she touches it. I'm like, no, don't touch it. It was a weird to touch the skin of the orange, whatever. Oh, well, she's like, well, I'm, I'm locking up. She leaves. And she just leaves me and him alone with this thing. And now we try to put it into a box and suddenly it grows to two times its regular size. And then we're like, let's get this thing just away from us. I don't even want to deal with it. We put it just over in the corner. And as we're cleaning up the rest of the stuff, the thing starts wiggling. And it literally, while we're watching it, it's completely in the center of nowhere. Uh, the the plant blooms the woman's face. Wow! And this guy, we, it's terrifying, but also fascinating. And I think that, that's <laughs> right. the point that it makes that. And also because it's an illusion, I uh, there's uh, there's some you know it is an illusion. Can I get? Can could he go and touch it? Maybe not. I don't know. But does he want to? Like I'm playing with that fear. Yeah. It's like he wants to see it. So he wants to go near it, but he's afraid of it because it's assimilating a human face. So you don't get too close. You're right. Let me tell you something, man. This guy, 100% in and believing it. And I, when you watch it, I think to myself, who wouldn't? Right, right, right. Of course. And so that's the line between fear, like, because that's a terrifying thing to think that a planet touches something and assimilates a person. That's horrible. I mean, that's me. I love it. It creeps me out. I love being creeped out. Yeah. But there's something also like just riding it to the line of like, what is this fascinating, crazy thing? And then and we let the guy off the hook. And, and it's funny because when the guy gets let off the hook, he's a little let down. You can see it. There's right. a little let down like, it's oh, like, oh man. <laughs> from outer space that's assimilating human spaces. Well, you guys do one with like an alien pod that turns into a, a kitten. It's a great episode. Um, that's that's and, one of the Oh, my God. It's like amazing. Like that is such a fun idea. Um, and, and I love that you uh, – if you're going to do more stuff like that, like that's – I love that turn. Like that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Um, well, Michael, I love ending this stuff on a dark side. Uh, I think we've done it. So you're you're um, you're still on tour. How can people find you? Obviously, True TV, uh, The Carbonaro Effect. Um, highly recommend it. I'm a fan. I'm not going to yeah. lie. New episodes start November 9th on okay. The Carbonaro Effect, and uh, they're incredible. They're awesome. I have a Jack Black is joining me in the first episode. Oh, cool! <laughs> it's a wild ride. We're we're killing it this season. I'm very very proud and very excited. Good, good. I and, love that. Um, so that there's that and then my tour, michaelcarbonaro.com. You can check out all the tour dates and come and it's a family friendly show, of course, but uh it's it's awesome. I've been having a blast up there meeting the fans. Come check out the show. And a chance Don't to worry. meet you if you if you text properly. Might win a chance. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll get an interview. I will tell you one other thing before we close. I love that you did one with Shaq because the guy, one of the guys you have on, is more impressed by seeing Shaq than he is with the magic you're performing. <laughs> I know, totally. And you know what? He's like, "Hey, what's up, Shaq?" <laughs> he like, was too. star, star of the. I was nobody, and honestly, Shaq was nobody compared yeah. to that dude. That he was dude great. was a star. He was great. <laughs> he was awesome. Um, he can't come here right now. He's gonna go. He can't come here right now. I was like, oh, you're the worst. Yeah. I can't lie to Shaq. So <laughs> I love it. People watch that episode. So, Michael uh, Carbonaro, Carbo, uh, the Carbs, thank you so much, man, for being on the show. This has been so much fun uh, and extremely insightful. You're a deep guy. I don't think people really realize that. And, um, you know, I, I, I think your talents should be shown to the world. Love the stuff you're doing, man. Keep it up. Thanks, Daniel. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Uh, And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. Go to fascinatingnouns.com to listen to every episode or follow the show on social media. You'll find links to the show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages at the bottom of the Fascinating Nouns webpage. Plus, you can also subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play. Highly recommend that course of action. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which will tell you about upcoming guests as well as all my upcoming projects. And to keep track of everything, go to danieljglenn.com. Thank you for listening. End of transmission.